Half the politicians didn't even show up, but the American people are. Hi, I'm Philip Lumel. Welcome to No Uncertain Terms, the official podcast of the Turn Limits Movement for the week of July 15, 2019. Your sanctuary from partisan politics. When U.S. Turn Limits Executive Director Nick Tombolides addressed a U.S. Senate subcommittee last month in the first hearings on a Turn Limits Amendment bill in two decades, half of the committee's members didn't even show up. But since then, it's come to our attention that the video of Nick's appearance has gone viral as the citizens of this country are watching it and sharing it with their Facebook friends. Let's talk to Nick about this and other fallout from his historic appearance. Hey, Nick. Hey, Phil. Uh, so how many people have seen you give those introductory remarks so far on YouTube or Facebook or, or wherever it is? Well, a few days ago, we had actually commemorated the video hitting 1 million views, Great. Uh, which was consequential. But that might have been a premature celebration because the video is now at 1.7 million huh. views. Okay. And it looks like it may get over 2 million. We've done very limited advertising for the video. You know, we've, we haven't really spent any money on it. This is all organic reach. This is people who are responding to the video because they feel that we're speaking for them, and um, it's it's just been tremendous. It really is going viral at this point. That's what I keep hearing. In fact, I've, I've had it forwarded back to me several times saying, this is great. This is just what I wanted to say. Yeah, it's been getting record numbers, uh, although we have some indication Facebook might be cracking down on it. It's slowed down a little bit because Facebook is labeling it like hate speech or something. What? Uh you know, I've heard about censorship on social media, but this is the first time I'm really seeing it firsthand. It's Hate very speech. unfortunate. Yeah, what what likely happened is anti-term limits groups told their followers to flag it as like inappropriate or offensive, and uh, it got the Facebook algorithm in a tizzy. It's a shame that when you tell the truth, that violates the terms and conditions <laughs> <laughs> on Facebook. Oh but that didn't stop 1.7 million people from seeing it. And let no. me tell you what the best part has been. The best part has been the people who have just come out of the woodwork calling and emailing me out of the blue after they watch the video about just to talk about it. I've been contacted by amazing people. I've been contacted by teachers and nurses and doctors and engineers, by retirees. I've been contacted by CEOs and founders of Fortune 500 companies. Wow. People who are male, female, black, white, rich, poor, Christian, Jew, atheist, Democrat, Republican, independent, doesn't matter. We're all in this together. They all say the same thing. Thank you for what you said. We need term limits. Right. I got a message yesterday from a union member in Indiana. She said she's printing out the speech and distributing it at her next union meeting to 130 members. Uh, another gentleman, a Republican from California, said he's distributing the message to 9,000 people on his email list. It's amazing. It's just uplifting to know, Phil, that we're not alone in this fight. We're bigger, we're more determined than the political machine in D.C., and we're on the cusp of doing something so great. I can really feel it. Oh, I do too. There's a new electricity now in the movement. There's a new vibrancy to the movement. We have the politicians on the ropes. You can see this on all of our various platforms. Everything that we use to try to reach people are exploding. You know, Twitter and Facebook and, and everything like that, our YouTube channel, our podcast listenership, everything is just going off the charts all at once. Yeah, you make a great point about the YouTube channel. That that video, the YouTube version of this, is getting shared exponentially as well. We had Kevin Sorbo, the actor uh, from Hercules, the TV series, and also mm. from uh, God's Not Dead, the movie. 
he he actually shared the video on his Twitter, the mm. YouTube version. And if you go on YouTube and you look for U.S. term limits, this is the first video that can come up. The YouTube video does not have to follow these silly Facebook regulations. So if you're going to share it, go on YouTube, grab that YouTube video, email it to your friends and family. Let's get this thing circulating again, because truthfully, every American needs to see this video. Right. Hi, this is Scott Tillman, the National Field Director with U.S. Term Limits. This past week, we were at Netroots in Philadelphia. Two congressional candidates signed the pledge to support a constitutional amendment for term limits. Russ Srincian in New Jersey 6 and Ian Todd in Minnesota 6. This week, we will be at Freedom Fest in Las Vegas, Young Democrats National Convention in Indianapolis, and Young Americans for Liberty in San Jose. If you have access to a candidate, please ask them to sign our pledge. Pledges are available at termlimits.com. Well, there's been quite a couple of weeks for us. Now, another reason why that might have aided the explosion of this, too, is that we had FreedomWorks come on board, and that's a big grassroots platform and group that have been pushing our bill in right in the aftermath of the hearing. So that's been helpful, too. And you've been meeting with presidential candidates. I got word that you had met with Andrew Yang this week. I want to hear about that for sure. Yeah, I met with Andrew Yang on Wednesday um, in New York City. He's a Democrat candidate, outsider, venture capital guy, um, trying to get some traction in the Democratic primary. He's a regular guy. He, he's a very nice guy, great listener. He sat down with me for about an hour to discuss term limits. And I think Andrew's desire to fix Congress is a genuine one. Um, he, he's an entrepreneur. He's got little patience for the way things are going now. He even mentioned to me a few times the study on power causing brain damage. <laughs> you know, we've cited that on the on the podcast before. He said that's one of the major reasons he loves term limits. Right now, Andrew has a plan for a 12-year term limit in each chamber. That is not what US term limits recommends. We we favor shorter limits, 6 years in the house, not 12. But still, I think Andrew Yang's a person who fundamentally gets it. Good. And I am hoping he decides to be the voice of term limits on the Democratic side. It would be amazing to have Trump and the Democratic nominee arguing over who can deliver term limits the fastest. Right. That would be great for America if that becomes the debate uh, in 2020. That's great. Now, we had mentioned before Andrew Yang had come out in favor of term limits. And of course, that's why you did meet with him. But we got another Democratic candidate smoked out this week. Uh, this is, again, the work of our great Ken Quinn. He was in New Hampshire, and he caught Marion Williamson on the trail. And uh, this is what she had to say. So this is how I feel. Abraham Lincoln said there was not that much evil any government could do as long as the people remain vigilant. What he was referring to was the fact that every two years, Congress people have to run again, so theoretically you could throw all of them out every two years. So in a perfect world, term limits are elections. Yeah, she's she quite literally smoked out, I think, in Marianne yeah. Williamson's case. Ken, Ken yeah. Quinn asked Marianne about term limits, and uh, an ethereal darkness swept across the room, mm. and then a, a mysterious blue smoke appeared as Marianne began <laughs> chanting to the Wiccan priestess uh, Zorbelina. And uh, after Marianne tapped... She tapped into the, the fourth realm of spirit, spiritual oneness. She reported that the goddess did not, in fact, favor term limits, and neither mm. does she. So long story short, Marianne Williamson is against term limits, um, which is 
terribly unfortunate, but you know, maybe she can cure that with some essential oils. Right. If, if, <laughs> if there's any listeners that don't know who Marion Williamson is, you just got a glimpse of who she is from, from that story. But she's a, um, uh, New York Times bestselling author. She writes basically new agey self-help stuff and frankly can be quite spooky. So um, too bad she's not on our team, but I don't know that how much it would help us if she were. Yeah. Duncan Hunter has become the hunted. For the last 38 years, someone named Duncan Hunter has represented North and Inland San Diego in Congress. From 1981 to 2009, it was Duncan Lee Hunter. And from 2009 to the present day, it has been his son, Duncan Dwayne Hunter. Apparently, in the Hunter household, politics is the family business. From a very early age, Duncan the Elder taught Duncan the Younger the fine arts of shaking down the rich for campaign cash, slandering your opponents to get reelected, and climbing the ladder of seniority in D.C. So it came as no surprise when father passed this torch to son in January 2009. Duncan the Younger's first 10 years in Congress went by without controversy, until a Thursday in August of 2018. On that day, Hunter and his wife were indicted by a federal grand jury for illegally spending more than a quarter million dollars in campaign funds to live a lavish lifestyle, then concealing it all from federal authorities. Hunter's spending binge included a $14,000 vacation to Italy, over $1,300 on video games, thousands more on beach trips, golf trips, and ski trips. $600 for the family's pet rabbit to fly across the country in style. He was spending money even faster than he could raise it. At one point, Hunter's wife Margaret had to call the campaign treasurer and complain that $1,000 a day was too low for the Hunter family. She needed four or five thousand a day, minimum. Remember where all this money came from? Political donors who wanted favors from the congressman. How could he ever turn them down when his luxury lifestyle depended on them? In terms of influence, how could his constituents, offering nothing but honesty and feedback, ever compete with these mega-donors who could offer him the Ritz-Carlton? The irony is, Hunter didn't need the money for re-election. He was re-elected four times while squandering it away. He was re-elected in 2018 while under indictment. As an incumbent, he could coast back into office with no real opposition just like 98% of congressional incumbents do every election cycle due to a lack of term limits. But what has emerged in the last week about Hunter is the most disturbing revelation of all. He wasn't just spending campaign funds to wine and dine his wife. He was also carrying on sexual affairs with five different individuals, including staffers from his congressional office. He was also accused by a sixth staffer of groping her. Hunter claims these charges are all a trumped-up political witch hunt, citing as evidence that the prosecutor in the case is an admirer of Hillary Clinton. Really? I'm pretty sure that describes 90% of lawyers. Big whoop. Duncan, you committed the crime. Now you've got to do the time. His trial begins November 24th, and despite this, despite all the mountains of evidence suggesting he is one of the most corrupt Congress critters of all time, Duncan Hunter Jr. is still an eight-point favorite for re-election. Still don't think we need term limits? 
Hey, maybe after he gets out of prison, Hunter could publish one of those crappy political biographies we always see at the airport bookstores. He could call it The Art of the Steel, or maybe even The Audacity of Grope. The possibilities, like the terms for congressmen, are endless. More news this week. Ross Perot, a uh, billionaire businessman, founder of Electronic Data Systems, and um, also Perot Systems, sold out to GM for billions uh, back in the uh, 80s. American success story, really is. And also known as a politician at the end of his career. I always liked Ross Perot. Yeah. I, I always thought he was really patriotic. Uh, he was a little bit of eccentric, for sure. Um, he shook up that 1992 race. I think at the time, uh, when, when people were watching that 1992 presidential election, we really didn't realize how rare it was to see a viable third-party candidate. We now know, since we've had several presidential elections since, and no one has come even as close as Perot did to winning in 1992, I think maybe had he handled the campaign a little differently, he really could have won. His 1992 campaign was actually the strongest showing by a third-party or independent candidate in U.S. history. Yeah, I think he wound up with like 18, 19% of the vote. But before he had suspended his campaign, he was actually leading in the polls for a while back then. And the Perot fans were some of the most diehard term limits backers we had in the 1990s because they really wanted to shake things up. Perot favored term limits, and we have we have a neat clip of him actually talking about it during a, a 1992 debate. Can we play that clip? Let's hear it right now. Mr. Perot, would you like to address term limitations? Yes. Let me do it on first on a personal level. If the American people send me up to do this job, I intend to be there one term. I do not intend to spend one minute of one day thinking about re-election. And as a matter of principle, and my situation is unique, and I understand it, I would take absolutely no compensation. I go as their servant. Now, I have set as strong an example as I can. Then at that point, when we sit down over Capitol Hill, Tomorrow night, I'm going to be talking about government reform. It's a long subject. You wouldn't let me finish tonight. If you want to hear it, you get it tomorrow night. But the point is, <laughs> sorry, just a little silly. And uh, the, uh, if you, you're here tomorrow night. But we have got to reform government. If you put term limits in and don't reform government, you won't get the benefits you thought. It takes both. So we need to do the reforms and the term limits, and after we reform it, it won't be a lifetime career opportunity. Good people will go serve and then go back to their homes and not become foreign lobbyists and cash in at 30000 bucks a month and then take time off to run some president's campaign. Awesome. So we at U.S. Term Limits, No Uncertain Terms, bid a fond farewell to Ross Perot. He was a genuine outsider. He was a talented businessman, and from all accounts, he was a genuinely good human being. He was involved in helping veterans, often behind the scenes, because he never wanted nor needed the credit. So he will be missed. Quite a guy. Adam Brandon is the president of FreedomWorks, a grassroots service center for millions of activists who support smaller government, lower taxes, free markets, personal liberty, and rule of law. Adam joined FreedomWorks in 2005, starting in the press department and gradually moving into a management role, and today sets the priorities for the entire organization and its affiliates. Recently, the group embraced the U.S. Tournaments Amendment legislation. We spoke to Adam last week. How are you doing, Adam? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Sure. So to set the uh, stage for our discussion, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, what FreedomWorks is and when did you guys get started? 
Okay, well, we do grassroots, and, and I always compare if you look at the left and how the left and the progressives just seem to always be slowly on the advance. I think it's because they invest in their grassroots activists, mm-hmm. and so that's what we try and do, but do it from a conservative perspective. So we, we at FreedomWorks here focus primarily on economic issues okay. and, uh, and a couple of other um, that we consider part of the kind of keep the constitutional frame of government intact. Uh, so, you know, that's through citizen activism, because the only way you drain the swamp, the only way the, that you can actually make change is by putting pressure on the politicians. Okay. And FreedomWorks is an organization that is primarily, I guess, grassroots oriented. What kind of membership do you have and, and what are your primary tools that you use to uh, affect, try to affect policy? A few years ago, we would say that our email list was our uh, our main tool, but now we have close. We have actually over five million fans, active fans on Facebook, mm. three hundred thousand on Twitter. I point to those numbers as kind of the reach, but we're getting active on all platforms, Instagram. So we have a large social media uh, imprint, but we also do fly-ins and regional events. So just about every week, we do things to make sure that we're coming in face-to-face contact with activists, and we get them to do the the shoe leather work of politics door-to-door phone calls visiting congressional offices okay great now how does tournaments fit your overall mission it is a perennial issue for us. We love term limits. Uh, I mentioned that we work on tax issues and all, but if you look at why spending is so out of control, it's the entrenched interests here in Washington, the swamp. And I look at uh, it, it, one, of the, one of the easiest and best ways you could actually take a strike at the swamp is just is, is breaking up the centers of power. And the way you do that, one of the most effective tools is term limits. Mm. Okay. And I noticed, I saw in your blog and I saw some of your posts that you're specifically advocating right now the uh, Senator Cruz bill, SJR1, and uh, Francis Rooney bill in the House, H.R. Resolution 20. And uh, mm-hmm. what, what specifically attracted you to this, this legislation? I mean, you're, I, I know that you've done things generically for tournaments, but this you've narrowed right. in on this. and. Well, this is it's a it's a standard bill that I think most people who support term limits. This is senators would get two six years terms. Mm-hmm. That's a dozen years in the Senate. Sure. If you can't accomplish what you want to accomplish in twelve years in the Senate, I, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> what are you running <laughs> um, for office for? Right. Yeah, come on, like let's turn it over here. Yeah. And then the House of Representatives, uh, the three two-year terms, so that's mm-hmm. six years in the People's House. Uh, that's more than enough time to get what you need to get done. And I and I I think what this would make a move to do is that those the way that that's set up, you have plenty of time to do what you need to do. Um, at the same time, it prevents people from from becoming career politicians. Right. You know, the timing of FreedomWorks pushing of this particular legislation is perfect. I mean, SGR one. Mm-hmm. Cruz's bill just got its first hearing in the Senate on June 18th, just recently. And this is the first hearing that a tournaments bill, a serious tournaments bill, has gotten in over 20 years. Well, every poll that I've seen, term limits poll between 70, 80 percent, right. overwhelmingly popular with conservatives, with liberals, with people um, who are not politically inclined. It's just one of these common sense things. I mean, can you imagine if we were going to remove term limits from the presidency? Oh, people would be talking about it, Caesar, and we're moving to a dictatorship. Well, sure. well, if we feel that way about one federal office, why can't we feel that way about the House and the Senate? This is the issue that unifies Americans because it gets to the heart 
heart of the matter, Washington is broken. And one of the reasons is because you have these close networks here that outsiders have a hard time penetrating. So you blow the system up with term limits and you return it to the founder's vision. People come, they serve, they do their best, and then they go back to their farms. Mm -hmm. Yep. And, you know, with this bill receiving this attention right now, it's also being furthered by the fact that, uh, like you said, we have the polling, but we've always had the polling on term limits. You have you guys jumping in the fray. We got the first hearing in decades. We also have something else moving at the state level because, as you probably know, three states have called for a Article Five Amendment Writing Convention, um, limited to the subject mm-hmm. of congressional tournaments. And then, fifteen additional states have called for a Amendment Writing Convention on multiple subjects, explicitly including congressional term limits. So we're right. we're starting to see some pressure come up from the states. On the, and that's to, how to, change gets done. Yeah. And, and that's how eventually when you get term limits, I actually don't think it'll ultimately be through a constitutional amendment, but it will be because of the process. Mm-hmm. When enough states put pressure on Washington right before they move, you'll see the politicians snap it back. And uh, then they'll all be for term limits. Right. But you need that pressure of this process that leverage. to prove that this issue, yeah, this is what gives us leverage to move on it. Right. I think we're eventually going to get there because, again, This is a will of the people issue. The people here in Washington don't want you to talk about it, but uh, that's why it's important for outside groups, what you guys are working on, what we're doing, Mm -hmm. um, applauding people like Senator Cruz for leading on this issue. And eventually we'll we'll be able to prevail on it when this is when America beats Washington. Yep. Any specific uh, plans going forward on this uh, to advocate this bill? I saw today we have a live stream going here at our office, Congressman Matt Gates and uh, Congressman Thomas Massey were going to join us. I mentioned we work on a variety of issues, and it is always the most popular campaign that we're working on. And I think that's significant, whether it's repeal of Obamacare or it's uh, fundamental tax reform. The issue that people keep coming back to is term limits. And so it's uh, it just shows you the staying power of the issue. Excellent. Well, we definitely appreciate your efforts um, on behalf of the American people on this issue. Thank you very much, Adam. Well, to keep plugging away, we'll get there eventually. Thanks very much. You bet. This next one is a uh, something close to home for Nick and I because we both live in Florida. Uh, Representative Frederica Wilson brought her portable podium and her portable customized backdrop, (laughs) plopped it outside the Homestead Immigrant Facility and started speaking. And let's just hear quickly what she had to say. Those people who are online making fun of members of Congress are a disgrace. And there's no need for anyone to think that is unacceptable. We're going to shut them down and work with whoever it is to shut them down, and they should be prosecuted. Nick, I think she was talking about us. <laughs> she might be. She might be. I actually have some Frederica Wilson trivia for you, oh, Phil. yeah? Here's what I want you to do. Guess the average percentage of the vote she has gotten in her last three primaries. Um, I don't know. It's 81%. Oh, jeez. She is that much of an entrenched incumbency right and i i won't let anyone tell me that that degree of entrenchment that belief that you are invincible 
is not connected to these ridiculous and arrogant statements that she's making. It's a race to the bottom. And this, this comment is the latest evidence of that. So no it's appalling, but it's, uh, it's not surprising. And by the way, if making fun of Congress really were a crime, the entire U.S. term limit staff would go on death row. Oh, there's no question. Thanks for joining us for another episode of No Uncertain Terms. If you haven't seen the YouTube video of Nick's appearance on Capitol Hill, please seek it out at termlimits.com forward slash Senate hearing. No space there. After watching it, please comment and most importantly, share it. Most likely the people you share it with are going to share it also. We can't let the politicians get away with ignoring this historic hearing on the U.S. Tournament's Amendment Bill. Thanks for your help. We'll be back next week. The revolution isn't being televised. Fortunately, you have the No Uncertain Terms podcast. You cannot intimidate members of Congress. <laughs>